Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. So um, I committed to preaching, teaching through the gospel of Luke, and I believe that that commitment comes by the direction of the Lord uh, to me. But I committed that I would do that moving chapter by chapter, verse by verse, until we get to the end. And uh, now we have actually been at this for a year. Uh, I don't know how it's going for you, but for me, it's been very enriching. It's been very encouraging in my life. But then I come to chapter 8. And when I come to chapter 8 and verses 1 through 3, I find myself uh, struggling this past week as to exactly how to handle this. And it appears to me, I came to understand that I'm not alone. Uh, Many of the Bible commentators and Bible scholars uh, seem to struggle as well with verses 1 through 3. Now, some of them just choose to jump over it just almost like it doesn't exist. So they just finish chapter 7, and they jump right over to chapter, to chapter 8, verse 4, and start talking about the parable of the sower, and just move on. Others uh, would look at verses 1 through 3 strictly as a transition, right? I mean, here's the good stuff at the end of chapter 7, here's the good stuff that begins in verse 4, and we just need a little bridge to kind of get us from one uh, to the other. And I got to be honest with you that uh, as I struggled with verses 1 through 3, I was tempted to kind of either ignore it or just kind of gloss over it. But the more I thought about doing that, the more I became uncomfortable with the, with the idea of actually doing that. Because it occurred to me that if the Bible is God's Word, and I believe that it is, then everything He has placed there is there for a reason. And if I'm going to preach and teach uh, God's Word, then I need to wrestle with texts that, uh, that may seem insignificant so that I can, by His help, discover their significance and share them with others. So I settled that issue, and I decided to press on, and so I did. I studied the passage, I consulted uh, several commentaries, I prayed, but as my good buddy Lance McGregor says... I wasn't feeling it. I mean, I'm going to all this effort and all this work, and as it relates to verses 1 through 3, I'm just just not feeling it. I I wasn't feeling it for the passage, but I was certainly beginning to feel anxiety. The anxiety that I was going to come on this day and walk up here and have nothing for you. Now, let me tell you, for a pastor, for a preacher, that is high anxiety, right? Um, And so I was getting a little bit anxious. But on Wednesday, as uh, Connie was driving me over to the eye clinic to get my second eye surgery, um, it was actually as we turned onto 60th Street that all of a sudden the passage that I was thinking about in my mind immediately yielded a pathway for me to bring to you. And to show me that this wasn't just me 
the Lord gave me a confirmation by giving me the outline in alliterated form. And that's really important to me. And I know it's a confirmation because I never use alliteration. And so for that, just a pop in my head, it's like, wow. And I, I checked the scripture. I'm like, that works. That is what we need to talk about. And so here we have it this morning, method, message, ministers, money, let's break it down. As we come to verse one and we think about methodology, one of the things that Luke has shown us thus far from chapter one right up until today is that Jesus opted to take his ministry to the people as opposed to asking the people to come to him. Now, up to this point, we we only get that idea by observing, by seeing Jesus constantly on the move and going from town to town and village uh, uh, to village. But when we come to chapter 8, it is explicitly stated that he set himself to go from place to place, from city to city, from village to village. That was his methodology. In, In one word, his methodology was go to go. That was his method. Now, when we think about Jesus having this methodology of going, and I'm making such a big deal out of going, we might come to the place where we begin to think that Jesus was against stationary ministries. You know what I mean when I say stationary ministry, don't you? I mean one that has a property and a a building and a a staff and a structure and all the rest of that. that It's one place and people tend to come uh, to that. We might start to think that Jesus was against that, but that is absolutely not the case. When you read the Gospels, you will find that Jesus was faithful to the stationary ministries of his day. Every Sabbath, he was in a synagogue. Sometimes he was there to actually teach. Sometimes he was just there in attendance. But it is clear from this text that we're looking at today and from his actions that we see throughout the gospel that he did not depend on the synagogue exclusively. Instead, on Sunday through Friday, because remember, Saturday was the Sabbath, Jesus was out and about. He was encountering people, he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, and he was helping those enslaved to the kingdom of sin and death find rescue and life. And so, as we consider this first point, I want us to uh, be warned not to get the idea that if we're going to be good followers of Jesus, then we've got to sell this property, sell this building, disband, and we've all got to get out there and become itinerant missionaries, just going from place to place to place. And that brings me to truth point number one. Truth point number one says it is not wrong to have a static location for people to gather for worship, for learning, for serving, for fellowship. That is not wrong. That is perfectly fine. But what is wrong is to make that static location the only place that ministry takes place. And I make such a big deal out of that because I fear that in the Western culture, we have come to the place where we tend to look at it that way. Ministry is for Sunday morning at 1200 uh, uh, Ridgemont Drive. 
And it's on Wednesday night at uh, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And we tend to kind of just block it out there. And the rest of the week is to do whatever it is that we need and want to do. But the truth of the matter is, is that yes, it is for here. And that's great that people can gather. And this is a wonderful venue to teach God's word and to do a variety of ministry efforts. But it doesn't stop here. It actually begins when you leave those doors and you head out to your life in your community where you work. The command of Christ is clear that we are to go. Consider these verses. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and to the ends of the earth. That gives us the idea of spreading and moving and going. This idea of going was not the way that Judaism did it in that day. And going really is not the way that many believers do it today, but it is the way Jesus did it then, and it continues to be the way that Jesus commands us to do it now. If you get nothing else out of point number one, get this, that if you are a child of God, if Jesus is your Savior and Lord, he says to you, go, take me to your world. Go and take me to your world. So we see in the passage that Jesus' methodology is to go. The question then is, what did he go with? As he went, what did he carry with him? Well, we know this, that Jesus carried with him supernatural power. Because we see constantly where Jesus is providing, where there is lack, healing, where there is disease, deliverance, where there is spiritual oppression, and even life where death has occurred. Those miraculous acts of Jesus are some of the things that he is most and best known for as it relates to his earthly ministry. But let me tell you something. The miracle workings of Jesus were not his primary ministry. It was not the primary reason that the Father sent him to earth. No. Jesus' primary ministry was that of proclamation. Proclamation. Jesus was constantly taking the message of the kingdom of God to anyone who would listen. He was constantly talking about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? I spoke about this just recently a little bit, but here we are again. We need to understand that the message of the kingdom of God is more than a message of deliverance from hell and acceptance into heaven. It's more than that. The message of the kingdom of God is the message about the rule and reign of God. That's what the word kingdom means. It it means the rule and reign. A kingdom is where a king rules and reigns, where everything uh, is as he deems it should be. It is that scope of place where his authority is unquestioned and his will is always done. So to say that Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God is to say that he was constantly delivering a message that communicated what life life would be like under his rule and reign. The prophet Isaiah received information, revelation about the kingdom of God. We find that in Isaiah chapter 61. 
And then in Jesus' ministry, we find him referencing that very passage and reading it to a group gathered at the synagogue in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4. We've already covered that. And do you remember what happened to Jesus after he proclaimed Isaiah 61 to the people there? Do you remember what happened? What happened was this, that after it dawned on them that he was actually there claiming to be the fulfillment of that prophecy, that they angrily grabbed him, dragged him out of the synagogue, and tried to throw him over a cliff. Kingdom, the message of the kingdom is not always a peaceful message. It wasn't in Nazareth that day. But you know, I really don't understand that because honestly, the message of the kingdom is a very positive message. The message of the kingdom is this message that the gospel delivers the spiritually poor from their poverty. It is a message that talks about the brokenhearted being healed. It is a message that declares that captives who have been ravaged by sin and death will be delivered. It is a message that the blind will receive their sight. Praise God. It is a message that those who are oppressed will be set at liberty. And it is a message about the acceptable year of the Lord. And how his work will go forth without impedance. It's a very positive message. But what those people in Nazareth could not stomach, and this was their opinion, this was their thought, not mine. They couldn't get past the idea that this illegitimate son of Joseph and Mary had the gall to say that he was the fulfillment of that revelation. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission. On Mission.